Welcome to Storytime, now with Tommy. Much like the previous host, my friend Jeff Rabinowitz, there are a few things I like more than having some drinks with friends, talking about real estate, and that is what I intend to do. If you've listened to the show before, you probably know Jeff Rabinowitz as one of our local real estate investors around Detroit. Well, my name is Tommy Desmond, and I will be, for the next 16 episodes of this podcast, taking it over from him. It's going to kind of be like the Doctor Who of real estate whiskey podcasts, if that's a thing. I don't know if that's a thing. It is now. Disclaimer. Nothing in this podcast is intended as legal advice. If you wish to apply an idea to your situation, that is on you, my friend. Seek appropriate counsel. Again, I'm Tommy Desmond, a licensed agent, licensed builder, and active real estate investor in Southeast Michigan. And again, for the next 16 episodes, myself and our guests will tell tales of real estate deals past, present, and future over drinks. It's the most important part. (laughs) I think we can all agree. I can be contacted at TommyDesmond.com or by phone at 248-906-8659. I also wish to thank Jeremy Burgess, the founder of Renegade Detroit Investors, for recording this podcast and making it available. Jeremy, tell us about RDI and how to get a hold of you. Welcome, friends. If you're interested in attending any of the local meetings, go to meetup.com forward slash Renegade Detroit Investors or facebook.com forward slash Detroit Investment Club. Or you can always go to renegadedetroit.com. Never miss a meeting, and I'll see you guys there. Right. I'd also like to thank Ronnie Haysha, the owner of Secreto Cigar Bar in Ferndale over on Nine Mile. Uh, Ronnie has been gracious enough to let us record live on location, all while sampling the best sticks and drams he's got in the building. So it's become one of my favorite places to uh, hang out around this area and is steadily becoming a place my wife doesn't necessarily like seeing that I'm going to. <laughs> so, or the credit card statements. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, hey. So my guest tonight is Tommy Wooderson, a local investor from Northville who graduated from MSU with a degree in supply chain management before getting involved as a real estate investor. He's also a licensed agent out of Keller Williams Royal Oak, as all three of us are tonight. He's the owner of Property Rescue LLC, which he runs with his wife, Monica. So, Tommy, tell us about what you do and how we can get a hold yeah, of you. Yeah, thank you. Uh, I think we've all been drinking the Kool-Aid a little bit from KW, so it's, it's a Just good a table. Bit. It's a good table to be around. But uh, Property Rescue is a company out of Royal Oak. We specialize in buying distressed assets, whether it's tax delinquent assets or pre-foreclosures or you name it. We'll fix it up, bring it up to a retail state, and sell it for a profit. So that's what I focus most of my time on is is doing more of the fix and flip type investing. How do people get a hold of you? People get a hold of me, Property Rescue LLC at Outlook.com, or you can go to my website, MichiganPropertyRescue.com. There you go. Awesome. Well, Tommy's uniquely qualified to be in this podcast because uh, you actually used to work for Diageo, right? Yeah, yeah, that's an alcohol uh, manufacturer, which is pretty interesting. A lot of people don't ever really think about how alcohol is made. They just think of a distributor or something like that. Really, so, a lot of people don't? I don't. I didn't really know when I would say, hey, yeah, it's about my 30% company, of my mental process. makes Guinness <laughs> and they make, you know... Uh, any other vodka or something, they would never associate one company owning a couple different spirits and wine and, and beer, so it's kind of interesting. I'm, I'm sure, uh, Jeff Rabinowitz, when you're listening to this, you might be rolling around because he doesn't have the highest opinion of Diageo wait, products. Wait. I no. thought he loved Diageo. He, he, no, he likes... He, he, <laughs> He, he likes some of the stuff they produce, but I think he doesn't like anything that's a large marketing machine. And Diageo is the biggest it, it's game a market, in the world. It, all it is, it's a, it's a marketing company, basically. They're a marketing company that happened to manufacture wine and alcohol and spirits, things like that. So yeah. pretty interesting. And they, I mean, they own some of the best brands in the world, basically. Yeah, I mean, some of the biggest uh, vodka, whiskey, beer uh, brands that you would know of, they own. So... Uh, the reason, yeah, Ciroc, Kettle One, yeah, all of it. So that's Ronnie in the background for those listening. The owner operator of Secretos he, in he, Ferndale. He can't keep himself out of a whiskey conversation. It's impossible. This, this is this is he was smarter than the rest of us. He literally made it his business, so he gets to write off all this stuff. We don't. <laughs> right now, I'm actually drinking a Diageo product, Crown Royal on the rocks. Yeah, what are all you guys right. drinking? What are you guys favorite. drinking? Yeah. yeah, actually, this is my other. According to the the protocol for the show. Uh, my other guest is from the Scottish island of, of uh, Isla, and it is uh, Lagavulin 8. This is one of the special editions. They just turned 200 uh, recently, a couple months ago, right? And this is uh, a special release that they did that is not really like a recipe from 
200 years ago because they don't really have that but it's uh, an homage to what they thought the processes would have rendered and it's i mean it's an eight year which you know lagavulin's usually a 16 year product i think they have an 18 too um you know but i i actually had a client who gave me one of these yesterday the bottle as a present for a closing and i'd never had it before and it's still unopened um but I wanted to try it, so I'll see if I'll open it or not. Now it's good. I just tried it. It's pretty tasty. It's very peaty, very a little iodiny. I like that though. So I don't know if everyone. Does. I'd love to give you the nodes of what I'm tasting, but Crown Royal's a little <laughs> has a different sediment in my heart. I can tell you a funny story about when I was working at Diageo with with Crown Royal and why I like it so much. Is I spent a lot of time in Canada actually trying to perfect the bag that goes around the bottle of Crown Royal. So. One of okay. my roles. That's you? You well, did that this? That was me. So I outsourced it from China to Vietnam. So if you look at a Crown Royal bag and the R and the C connect, that bag comes from uh, Vietnam. If no they kidding. don't connect, it comes from China. And so I spent a lot of time in, in Canada when we were trying to figure out a newer manufacturer that could produce it cheaper for us with the same kind of cotton and things like that to figure out how it would go on the automatic bag machine and not drop the bottle. <laughs> and the Vietnamese could not perfect this bag, and so we had to literally bring in rocket scientists <laughs> to, to reverse engineer this bag so that it would run on the manufacturing floor and That's not great. break the bottles. Stop trying to go to the moon. We yeah. Fucking communists. So there spent a ton of money with some literal rocket scientists to figure out this bag opening device and how they could perfect the design wow and so uh that's why i'm drinking crown royal that's kind of little... funny you don't actually think about that kind of stuff too often like no. I mean, you do like wow it's sweet that's the purple bag place but you don't actually like think about all those moving parts like, yeah yeah saved a ton of money it was a it was an emerging market for us to look into they could produce textiles way less expensive than what china was producing because china's on the up and up you know competitive to other prices around the you know the world mm. And so it, it was an interesting project, and so Crown Royal always has a little. It's built little in part. your soul. Yeah, it's, it's been well, two years on that project, so I like to holy enjoy cow. Crown Royal. Two years doing yeah, that? Two years. No, oh, that, that makes sense. I mean, there's so much logistical concern that goes into that kind of thing. It's not that surprising you'd spend that much time doing right. it, right? The little, I mean, the cost savings that we have were probably washed away with the amount of engineering that went into finding this new bag for a tour. But right, yeah, it sounds like a pretty good job. How old were you when you did that? I was right out of college, so uh, it was the first job I took. I was 23, worked there for a couple of years in Chicago. and That, that sounds like a fairly debaucherous job to do was. when you were a young guy. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a fun <laughs> do, one. Do, how much sure. of it do you actually remember? <laughs> yeah. Uh, one comment on the air of that one. but uh, <laughs> Enough to keep my mouth shut. <laughs> yeah, a lot of fun. Like They, they have a great brands, and every uh, headquarters has a bar there. And so the downtown office is awesome. They have a bar at the top of the you know, on Wacker Drive. It's mm -hmm. unbelievable. I could have all my friends on Thursday for a happy hour to come up and have free drinks. And you'd have mixologists that were world-renowned pouring us drinks. So it was a lot of fun. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Is that a special Crown Royal or just Crown Just the Crown Royal. Just regular Yeah. Crown. I'm a, you know. Come on, Portless man! You're supposed to get flashy whiskey. stuff here. I might get some. I might get a little flashy after this one. <laughs> Jeff, Jeff Rabinowitz is judging you from afar, <laughs> he's judging me from harshly. <laughs> he, he's not in his grave, but if he was, he'd be rolling around. <laughs> but no, all right. Well, moving on. Like, I mean, one of the great parts about sitting here drinking is the fact that we get to talk about real estate while we're doing it. So, I mean, we've been involved in a handful of deals together over the years. Um, what specifically are you working on right now? You got a fire damaged house recently that you were. Yeah, I just uh, completed a fire damage in Farmington Hills, which was a pretty interesting deal. How did you, you come across it? How did you get it? And then what was the process of dealing with it? So there's an uh, attorney. I don't know if I should be name dropping some people, but I have some connections in Royal Oak. And an, an attorney had a fire damage property that the current homeowner was upside down okay. on where they were because of how everything had shaken out. So it was an off-market an off property. Off-market deal. Um, so it was high-level, what, what you would refer to as a short sale. You know, The bank was willing to take less than what was owed due okay. to the circumstances. But additionally, there was an, another layer to the problem is the homeowner was also facing jail time. Whoa. For potentially burning his own house down <laughs> and insurance, uh, if you will. So, and I don't know how much I can, uh, you know, say on the air on that one either. But so it was well, an no interesting deal that was brought allegedly. Yeah, allegedly, 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 allegedly,
Yeah, this is totally disclaimed. This is not legal advice. And in fact, we're making it all up. So none of this is even real. Right. (laughs) So So I got wind of the deal. I went over there and and saw it in person. It was awesome. You know, it was only the upstairs of a, you know, colonial that was burnt. Okay. And everything else was pretty immaculate beyond, you know, dated. So you had some wood paneling on the main level and, you know, outdatedness. But aesthetics were there. And as far as structure went, it didn't really hurt the structure at all. So any of the fire was looked looked to be or appeared to be uh, put out very fast, and there wasn't any damage to the roof trusses or anything that would be of no concern. structural damage that no. was expensive. I mean, it was charred, but it wasn't anything that was crazy. So I took a look at it real quick, called them back, and said, "Hey, this is the number I'll take it for. Let's do it." And so there was a little bit of negotiating back and forth, and. Uh, this was the first deal that that attorney had brought to me, so part of it was me trying to establish myself as a real serious cash to buyer. To build the relationship. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, some people can talk the talk, but can other people actually execute on it? And so he had came back to me and said, well, I want you to hold all that money in escrow, and then I'm going to work the deal out. Yeah. So it was almost like he was using my money to work the short sale perspective sure. out on it. And I said, ah, I don't really want to do that, but I'll put a sizable, you know, earnest money deposit down for it. And we'll take it from there because I don't want to use my money as your leverage to. Well, you got to tie it up. Yeah. yeah, I don't want. And then tie with the up. short sale, I mean, I've Who seen knows? not anymore. I mean, now they're moving much faster than they used to. But I mean, a couple of years, many years ago, they were going. I've seen them go for a year and a half, two right. years, and they're and just sitting. That's so. the last thing I wanted to do is have tie up funds. all that capital. Yeah. So I went back to him and said, "Let's just do a sizable down payment uh, in escrow, and I'll close whenever you get everything negotiated." And to my surprise, he actually came back pretty quick. It was about a two-week process, and he said they're they're willing to take the deal. Okay. So from that point, you know, we got the deal done, and you know, the previous seller worked everything out, left everything as is. They didn't want to take anything from the house, and turned the keys over to me. Well, now was there any special considerations you had with fire damage property? Like, I mean, I know that uh, we just had one over in Berkeley that we walked through, and the fire was confined to one area. But because it travels through all the ducts, I mean, basically everything uh, through the rest of the house has got severe. I mean, it's sooted. There's uh, everything needs to be touched a little bit, right. not just the room that's burned. And yeah. the electromechanicals had some issues because that furnace is pumping soot through it now. So, did you have anything like that? I there mean, there was concerns from the from the start, right? When you're looking at mechanicals and making sure ductwork wasn't totally smoked out, uh, things like that. Obviously, looking at the structure components, making sure those are still sound, but Really, it was a pretty small fire from what I could tell by just my knowledge. And, um, you know, I was planning on having ducks cleaned out and, and things yeah. like that. But if, if there was anything that was jeopardized, I would have fixed. But there really wasn't after, you know, the due diligence period of the sure. first couple days, weeks into the project. So it didn't really add on any additional oddities that you wouldn't have to deal with on any flip, really. No. Right? And I think a lot of, I don't know who else he may have brought that deal to. But, uh, you know, ten, a lot of people tend to get scared from fire damage. And me, I'm, I'm ready to take on the ugliest thing you could give me because I think there's bigger profit margins in that. Mm-hmm. And to my favor, nothing was really impacted as anything of major concern. There wasn't anything too brutal that you could No. Now, did you bring in any kind of special crew for cleaning everything out or was it just regular demo? It was a regular demo. I've got a buddy that I went to high school with who owns a, uh, a labor company. Okay. And so he's obviously insured up to yeah. two million, you know, so I trust him. And they don't specialize in demo, but I've been using him quite frequently on some stuff as just extra sets of hands. And so if anyone needs a reference there, I'll plug his company too at, at one point. But uh, he charges me $15 an hour for his laborers there, which is an, a great rate. Yeah. I point and say, move that into the dumpster and call it good. So they don't specialize in demo. It wasn't anything out of the ordinary. We gutted the entire top floor um a little bit of electrical gut because there was a little bit of fire damage to some of the electrical running through the second floor um but beyond that all the drywall gone everything gone to the frame all right but when you went to liquidate the property and turn around and sell it what uh did did that present any issues did you have anything uh to disclose that was problematic that caused anything during the negotiation no not really obviously disclose that there had been some minor fire damage um but there wasn't anything that really needed to happen. And luckily, in my favor, too, before I purchased the home, I made sure to call the city. Mm-hmm. What I had to do, hey, this property had some fire damage. 
what what are what are your expectations for me? You played ball with them. Yeah. yeah. What what do you want me to do to make sure it's up to code and and you know, what do I need to do? And luckily Farmington Hills is like a piece of cake. I don't know if you've ever done any projects in Farmington Hills, but really I, easy I have to work not, with. I have not, but uh, I mean, well, I've done deals in Farmington Hills, but we haven't done any flips yet, but we've got one that is a uh, new construction um, with Mr. Rabinowitz um, that we're working on now. Uh, however, he had a pre-existing relationship with the city, so I'm not exactly sure if you guys are working from the same angles. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. So, I mean, they were really nice, and and I talked to a couple other people that do work in Farmington Hills, and they've said that they do drive-by inspections on rental properties, so they really don't put it to you too much. Some and, cities are very flexible because they want to see those properties put back yeah. to functioning, taxable use. Right. So they want to see it running again, and a lot of it's how I think how you approach them. Like when you talk to people in the city, and you're open with them and you're up front it's a lot different than the shiesty investor guy who tries to slide around the back and do everything without pulling the right permits or asking the right questions so i mean because they know these cities are i'm involved in a city like we know who the problem people are it's not like this faceless mass that a lot of times investors think nobody really knows what's going on that's not true they know they know each of those properties intimately they knew the backstory what was going on with the previous owners in them like they know this stuff so they know that the water's turned off it's been vacant for x amount of time so you're not going to be pulling any anything on anyone there you know especially when it comes to any kind of city but i think it's really smart going into a project like fire damage to double check before you go into the deal because some cities, I've heard terror stories where they're going to want you to do new duct work, even if it wasn't jeopardized, yeah. just because they can. Yeah. And they may even have you hold an escrow account with the city to make sure that you're doing it mm-hmm. appropriately and you're getting all the checks throughout the way. But for me, I, it wasn't wasn't hard on yeah. that one, so I got lucky. Well, that's good. No, that's, that's definitely good. And that's now done. It's a done deal, right? What it's were the, a done deal. What are the numbers on that loosely? Uh, loosely, acquisition was 120. I put about 45 into it and sold it for 285. That's a solid. That's a, that, it was a home run. That's a home run. Now, what year. about like all closing costs and everything like that? All that was rolled. I mean, you're still walking away with. It was close to six figures on that yeah. one. So yeah, that's a win. Yeah, it was. It was a good one, and I think I anticipated my budget to be a little bit uh, heavier than what it came out to be. But at the end of the day. Like I said, nothing really came out jeopardized, and it was mas- you know mostly a couple bathroom guts, a little bit of kitchen. So you were under drywall. budget then. I was under budget by how much? About ten grand. Are you are you uh, pretty aggressive in your budgeting when you do it? Are you pretty conservative? Like, do you err to the high end by default? I, yeah. yeah, I would go on the high end with the budget, and and so what I normally do is probably put about twenty percent buffer on top of what I think it would okay. be as a place market but i also err on the high side of some miscellaneous expenses uh like lighting and fixtures and things like that i'll normally have just a, a placeholder that what i think would be per square footage of what i'm going to put in from lowe's order or whatever okay. home depot and typically i err on the high side of that one as well so where do that, you get I those get numbers from just historical projects i've worked on okay so i keep every project i've ever done i keep a, a running tab of what the price was per foot, who quoted it, all those kind of metrics. And so it's pretty easy for me to look. It's a, you know about a 2,500-square-foot house. I know my Lowe's material cost is going to be X for lighting yeah. and knobs and things like that. Yeah, so, yeah. But I, I also kind of beef that one up just to give me a little bit of room for incidentals that come up. Sure. That's, that's more aggressive than even mine. I thought it was pretty good. I'm at 15%. And it's still, yeah, maybe I'll bump it up just to make sure. <laughs> Can I go back a little bit? How did sure. you develop the relationship with the lawyer, right? Because a lot of people are listening like, man, I got to go out and develop relationships with lawyers, right? Yeah. Um, how did you develop that? that how did you nurture it? So there really wasn't any nurturing that had taken place, but my name somehow got put onto his you know, little distribution list of possible deals. This guy's buying some property around the area. You might want to reach out to him if you may have a deal. And, Do you know how that happened? Uh, I really don't. <laughs> I really don't. To be I, I'd ask him and find out. Yeah, yeah that'd be interesting. <laughs> he to also know. pitched me a couple of different deals why I was buying that one from him too. So I think there might have been some other motives involved as far as how he got my name. But um, so there wasn't any nurturing going on. Brought me the deal, and then that's kind of where it was me to gain his confidence 
in it by here you fund it all in escrow and let me go negotiate the short sale yeah. type of thing because it was a little bit of learning between him and I. As, well, it was probably a little bit of a testing scenario to see yeah. how much he can push out because right. now if he's if he's got a guy that all of a sudden is going to put all of his short sales into escrow ahead of time, I'm sure he's probably got a lot more deals than he's right. about to do. You know. All right. Well, that how, sounds like that was a total win. How did you abate the smoke and the water damage? Because it was on the second floor, right? So right. did you pull all the drywall out? Or, or all the drywall you? was gutted in the okay. entire house. That's what I thought. Um, any downstairs, too. So upstairs yeah. and downstairs. I mean, the better. entire thing. There was a finished basement with all wood paneling. There was wood paneling all throughout. So everything was gutted to convert to drywall anyways. So that was gutted to the studs. Any electrical that was jeopardized, removed, and prepared for new wiring throughout uh mostly the site there was only two bedrooms that really needed new electrical but um so as far as water damage there wasn't anything crazy and uh the smoke damage the roof boards and sheathing were a little charred but we just hit them with paint um and hit it that way yeah what what, what paint do you remember what paint you used it was a uh it's not a uh kills but it's similar to a kills like a zinzer like bin or something yeah. like that one of those very smelly high intensity stuff yeah uh where they're hitting it with a couple different coats and, and things like that but just the lacquer style there's yeah. one i think it's been zinzer bin and it's like it covers everything yeah but it's a, it's nasty it's a nasty problem it's not the kind of thing you want to do yourself i mean you i came up with this guy painting it up spraying all the sheathing on the on the roof boards doesn't even have a mask on. I'm thinking to myself, this guy is out of his mind. But, yeah, yeah, probably. He's probably I high as a kite. Myself, yeah. <laughs> he's probably <laughs> high as a kite. Talk to himself and just spraying roof boards, you know? <laughs> Who knows? I'm not worried about yeah. it. Yeah. Look at he that goes, pink Who dragon. Are you? This is my house. <laughs> the pink dragon keeps talking to me. Says I need to do more deals. <laughs> So, I mean, are they all, when you sub stuff out, do you, how do you handle that? I mean, do you get one GC? Are you the project manager? Do you GC? I mean, how do you handle the management of the actual reno? Yeah, unfortunately, I say that, unfortunately, I normally handle the management side of it. I can't find a reliable GC to trust on any of these. And it's a struggle that I have because it puts me too involved in it sometimes. But I feel that the best approaches that I've found over the years is, sub everything out to really good subcontractors that are going to charge you more mm-hmm. than what a lower end subcontractor would would charge you but they know what they're doing so yeah. if you're paying a little bit of a premium for a good ceramic guy to come he's going to blow that bathroom and any tile work out two days he'll bring a crew of five guys yeah. and they're working their ass off at versus you find handyman the Jack Craigslist guy, whatever, right? Yeah. You're, char- you're paying him 25 an hour to do it. He's going to take five days doing it, and you know he's not going to do it. You're properly. still going to have to hire the good guy to come fix all of his right. errors anyway. So. so part of my focus has been shifting it to really reliable, maybe more expensive subcontractors, if you mm-hmm. will, that know what the hell they're doing. No, I It's worth it all that. day long to pay a little bit extra up front to have a good guy well, totally. roll through with speed. Oh, there's there's also the factor that if you if you're giving the low ball prices to your subs all the time, I mean even if they are good and they're giving you buddy hookups or whatever, eventually what happens if you try and beat them up on price and try and get the lowest number, they're just not excited to get your calls anymore. You become lower on the priority tier. Your job is lower. So if they've got 15 jobs rolling, you know, well we'll get to that one because that's the one that you they just keep hitting them up on price. So it's like it's a, it's a respect scenario too because if they're quality, they should be getting paid, especially for the kind of money that we pull out of some of these projects. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I totally agree with that. I think part of the issue I've seen as of recent is a lot of these guys are very busy. All the subcontractors, contractors, everyone's busy. The economy is doing well. And people, you know, your standard people are remodeling their houses. So you're competing with those people. With the retail cost, yeah. Any kind of retail, you know, consumer that needs their kitchen done or bathroom done. And so they don't have time for your shit. If you're going to yeah. lowball them, they'll say, screw you. I got five other jobs. They don't need to this work. This week I can go ahead and make more money. Yeah. And so that's what I've experienced uh, this last couple flips that I've done. I've actually had guys walk off, and I've never had that happen until this year. Really? Walk off the job from a disagreement of, well, we agreed on this price. You, you agreed to it by a contract, and you want more money to finish. Sorry, yeah. but you underbid nope. it. Yeah. Sorry. I mean... You're like, all right, we'll do it yourself. yourself. Off, do it next time, right? And they would just walk off. And I said, so you'd rather cut your losses and not get paid at all, and walk off, and then finish it and get paid what we agreed on. 
they said, yeah, you know, screw you type of thing, wow. which is Brutal. interesting. You know, I've given them a lot of work over the couple of years, but yeah. people are busy. And, yeah. and they, I guess, have a heightened mindset of what they're worth in, in the economy. So. Yeah. And I do think that they know. I mean, these people are not. I mean, the trades guys know what we're doing. I mean, mm-hmm. they know that we're turning around and we're making bank off these properties, you know, because they see those sales prices go up. So at a certain level, that, I mean, that does run through their mind, too. It's like, well, we're putting all this work in. He's going to walk away with X, and he's not willing to give us another 2500 bucks. So I do think that there's a little bit of that at play, you know. Yeah. But, I mean, once you're under contract obligation, that's a different scenario. You know, if I, I mean, if, if they're going to do at least tell them, hey, this time wrap it up what you got. Next time we'll make sure that we pad it more or something if you think that it's unfair. But, I mean, once you're under contract, it's just unethical to bail on it. Yeah. I, I, think, always, it's, I think it's shifty. I always throw a bone here and there, too. I mean, I'm not greedy guy in business you know if they do a couple jobs for me i'll hook them up on one i'll let them overbid it and not worry about it because they've been with me for a year and a half but when it gets to a point where they've done a lot for me i've been giving them consistent work and you agreed on a price and now all of a sudden you want some more that's not going to happen yeah project No, that, that sounds like it's time for a divorce. Yeah, it's time for another bid or another player to come yeah. play in, in that space. Yeah. Well, they, it sounds like they got complacent anyway. So, From start to finish, from the time you heard about the deal to the time you sold it and pocketed bank, how long did it take? I bought that house in uh, June. A little bit of a delay because I got married in between. Right. So I sat on it for about six weeks for the honeymoon period, you know, period and all that other stuff. And I sold no, your it. honeymoon period, not the house honeymoon period. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I sat on it for about six weeks while we were getting everything straightened out. So you went wedding. to Rome instead of went working. to Rome and hung out, which Must I really didn't want to do. Yeah, it sounds terrible. <laughs> yeah, I was like freaking out because I just had bought this property and then I'm going overseas to hang out with my wife, which was an awesome time. No complaints there. Yeah, but pictures got amazing. Got a vacant house just sitting there, with fire damage. But um, so bought it around then and then sold it. Had it under contract first part of November, closed on December. Trying to push them into the new year, try to get some tax benefits, what's going on. But they wouldn't have it. <laughs> they I was actually do it. willing to give them some cash to, to roll it into January, but they weren't having it. They weren't doing that. No. They wanted to move in. Yeah. Anything go wrong during this project, too, or any anything pop up you weren't aware your, of? Your standard stuff. It was actually nothing crazy uh had gone wrong um but you know you have your little miscellaneous incidentals here and there like you get some bad plumbing that have happened a little bit of leaks here um you know it wasn't anything major just the unexpected stuff yeah. that always shows up when you're pulling walls a little out bit of and, a leaky yeah. basement but had those epoxy injected i mean stuff that you don't really know what's going to happen before you start tearing through some stuff but nothing nothing crazy no big foundation issues or something that was really going to hurt the budget you know, astronomically. Now, you have to disclose that it was a fire job, right? I disclosed it. Was and it- actually, I don't, I don't know the legality part of how much you have to disclose on it, but I had talked to our brokerage, mm-hmm. to what, what's the appropriate matters here, and he said, well, just tell the truth on the disclosures and you're good. And so from my knowledge, there had only been one room that was severely burnt and i disclosed that there was one room that had fire damage everything had been you know remediated and abated from that point so i disclosed it you know and it didn't affect the sales price didn't didn't affect, buyers didn't care didn't, or appraisal didn't, care. didn't ca- it didn't affect the appraisal and actually the guy that inspected the house didn't even know that there had been fire damage cuz i had left when i got the inspection back and he said they sprayed the roof boards possible covering up of mold <laughs> and I'm like, this guy is a licensed inspector, yeah. and he can't even tell that there it may have been some fire damage at one point. Yeah, which is just crazy to me. So I think yeah. it was so, you know, it wasn't as crazy as what you would think from fire damage. If an inspector can't even think or make common sense of why we sprayed it, he's thinking it's more towards mold. Mm. Did you need any engineering write-offs or anything like that for structural nope. integrity? They didn't nope. require any of that. Didn't require any of that. Okay, all right. Apparently, Farmington's where you need to buy yeah, firehouses. Yeah, Farmington Hills. So there there's the answer is don't be don't be scared of fire damage property when it shows up, right? No, I got some moral to start. I was I, I see fire damage. I'm like, oh shit! Look at the time. I got to go. You know? Yeah, that's yeah. the end of that story. Put under contract and flip to someone else. Then that's at least, what right? I do. Yeah. <laughs> 
Come on, Jeremy, you're, you're supposed to be the one that says that. You're not supposed to have him say it to you. <laughs> hey, man, he's the first guy I know who's really done a fire job, like, successfully that I know of, that I believe, anyway. So, <laughs> yeah. You know, everybody's got a war story, and you look at him like, I don't know about that. But I mean, it sounds crazier than really what it was. Like I said, structure wasn't jeopardized. It's like bad drywall that you're just taking out. Yeah. And that's about it. And once you reset everything, once all the drywall's out of really any project, I mean, it's... Everything gets easier than it is if you've, you're trying to work around drywall and there's things hidden in the walls. Like once you pull everything out, it's relatively easy to do all your electromechanicals because you can see everything. Right. So it opens everything up. It's a clean canvas to start on. So any of the electrical that needed to be replaced, easy to, to get in there and, and redo it. Put the proper amount of smoke alarms up and things like that, and drywall it up. And put a couple extra. Out. Put a couple extra. <laughs> put a couple extra in the room for that. Found a bunch of crazy stuff in that house too. Oh, I hey, yeah, hey yeah. what did you find? Uh, yeah. Lots of crazy things. Um, uh, things you can't you just say disclose. crazy things lots and of, leave it at uh, that. Sexual toys. All right. <laughs> every crevice of this really in, in every room. And like I said, they didn't take anything out of that house, so they left it as is, right? And did you take there was pictures some interesting stuff? Lots of pills, lots of Viagra. Wow! All kinds of, you know. I I, could, I think I'm getting a sense of what thing. this inner life was like yeah. at this property. <laughs> Maybe that's why it caught fire. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's intense. Did you well, take any pictures? Just out of curiosity. Did I what? Take any pictures? Uh, I've got pictures of. All right. of some of the stuff. I can show you some of the yeah, I, yeah, I don't think he's talking <laughs> about the house. No. <laughs> he's talking about no. yeah, the, the foot longs that I pulled out. Yeah, what? I got some pictures of them. Oh, my God. You, you didn't keep them, did you? <laughs> no. <laughs> it was a running joke with the demo guys for about a week, though. It was kind of playing hot potato with some of those. <laughs> it didn't make it into the dumpster until, like, the final day. Put it in his front seat yeah. of his truck. I don't know where that came yeah. from. Right. Sure, bud. Lisa kept him happy and, and, and enjoying it for a week. Oh, my God. <laughs> You just kept finding it too, like every. Yeah, oh I mean, God. it was pretty impressive actually. And, and then I'm thinking, well, who was this guy? You know, what's he doing? I kind of want to meet this guy. <laughs> well, so, I did, so it makes it even more awkward. Because, oh wow! You're like, you know, hey. we're at the closing table, and I met him in person, and then I see what he was really up to in his free time, and it will blow your mind after you meet someone and think about one thing and. It turns uh, out to be something. I'm sure you can different. find them in visiting hours. Yeah. So. <laughs> You're going to have a conversation. Courtesy of the state of Michigan. Right. <laughs> well, that's awesome. I love Allegedly. hearing when they come out good like that. And then how, what happens for your workflow? How many do you have going at once? So you got that one running. Do you have other uh, actual renos going at the same time? Do you have uh, just deals impending? What, what's your... What's your pipeline? So at, like? when I was doing that project, I had another one in Troy that I was doing. Uh, normally, try to balance two or three at the same time. That's okay. a that's a happy workload for me. Is that two or three that are actually running and yeah, being running worked on construction, different phases? That's that's a pretty good balance for what I'm set up to be as far as a system. Anything beyond that, I'm pulling my hair out. You know, ready. Gets to, overwhelming. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, so normally balanced around that. And then as of recently, kind of just been shifting focus on more value add type stuff, trying to really maximize the deal that I have under contract to see how I can really knock it out of the park. Highest and best use yeah. scenario. Highest and best use. Anything that's marginal, send it down the road, collect a couple bucks and keep going. Uh, you've got some new build now, start new construction that you're working yep. on now too, right? What's yep. the deal with that? That one was another interesting one. Um, uh, Got it under contract for 105. It's in uh, Royal Oak on Wyandotte Street. Okay. It's a 41 by 157 lot. I was originally going to rent it out for a couple of years and collect some rental income. And then I had Epic Property Management give me a bid on what it would cost to bring it up to more of a rental-ready state because I normally have him handle my rental side of the business. keeps the headache off my plate. Um, and at that point, it just didn't make sense to put the money in it to get a couple of years knowing that I was going to tear it down anyway. So I yeah. just said, let's tear it down. Just go it now. Go with it, yeah. The market's good, and I'm hoping projections are right. So I think it's time to rip it down and, and build new construction on it. So do you already have the uh, the plan and everything for that? Like, how does Yeah, that and that was uh, a learning experience in itself. This is my first new construction that I've done. And, you know, I'm a licensed builder as well, but yep. you don't get site training in in the class right i took it online all the licensor programs <laughs> they when you get a license with any state they're not teaching you anything about the industry they're right. teaching you how to deal with the state and fill out their deal forms with the state <laughs> and put in the you know minimum amount to, to be yeah. prepared so it's been a a really 
crazy learning experience these last couple you know weeks to month to figure out what what needs to happen first when how the involvement of the city and, and things like that so and how's learning. the city been what do you need to do different for a new construction with the city versus what you have to do as a flip definitely uh approach them as soon as possible in the process they actually royal oak's been very open and, and helpful with it i basically went to them and said i really don't know what i need to do first do you have a checklist or something that i can run through to figure out i'm covering all my bases and very cordial about it and gave me all the paperwork necessary and they sat down with me for 45 minutes and explained this is what you need to do first this is next this is next this is what you're going to need to do you know six weeks into it and, and mm. things like that so they've been very helpful so far in this process so we'll see how it we'll see what i'm saying after when it's up and erected <laughs> and it's ready for sale but because it was already know. something there so you went all the way through the teardown process too yeah. you're not talking about starting from making yeah land. so the teardown hasn't happened yet okay it will be happening in about three weeks okay. we had some asbestos that creeped up that okay. i overlooked and so i need to get some abatement done okay and that was another Another learning experience. It was hiding behind the siding. There was some slate behind there. Damn. And they had a newer addition that was built in the later 90s, so that was all fine. But yeah. the, the older structure had some asbestos behind it, so... Asbestos siding. Asbestos siding, okay. yeah. That that's, that's a big hot button that everybody gets super freaked out the second they hear asbestos. They, they assume the world's burning down the same way that fire damage, foundation damage can freak people out. Um, now, if that was a flip and that asbestos was up there, there would be a different... Uh, requirement versus then if it was then you're actually tearing it down right yeah i, I would assume so i don't know exactly 100 percent what it would be from a resale point my view is and what i think is right is that as long as you don't disturb it you're fine to leave yeah. it behind there yeah um as far as a demo goes on a house you're yeah, disturbing the hell out of it <laughs> and it goes in the air yeah then you need to get in a, a professional abatement company to take care of it one learning that i took away is that if the house was actually in my name as a personal resident owner you know primary owner of the house and as opposed to an llc a business entity yeah. i could abate it myself and wouldn't have to pay an abatement company to do that so you know, in the future, I don't know how how much they're watching if you quit claim deed it after or whatnot. But I'll I'll look into it a little bit more. Maybe mm -hmm. it's smarter to buy the the house that you plan on tearing down in your name and make sure that you check all the boxes accordingly, ready for demo. Yeah. You know, instead of putting it into an entity right away. I hear I hear a lot of mixed uh, mixed information from different attorneys and accountants regarding. You know, I mean, you talk to one one guy and he says, "All right, well." You know, the uh, the actual protections and liability protections that are, are, are present from an LLC are really overplayed. And they're not necessarily, if it's a sole-owned LLC, they're not really as protected as you think they are. And I know a lot of guys that will just hold everything in their own personal name because they're like, at the end of the day, you know, if you even do some minor thing to pierce the veil or if they really want to come climbing into your finances and get you you know, get your capital out of it that with a single member LLC, uh, and even sometimes in an S Corp, that they could relatively easily do it. So I've heard it both ways. You know, I personally have got uh, a mix of them. I don't have any properties in my own name uh, outside of my residence, but I do have a lot of them grouped together in LLCs. So, you know, I don't know. But that's that's good to know. I it's didn't know that. It's an interesting learning. You know, I, I figured, well, I didn't shit, know you if I would have just kept yourself. it in my own name, I wouldn't have to pay a couple thousand dollars to have some guy rip off the That siding. was my next question. How much did they rake you over the coals to pull off uh, got a multiple quotes. <laughs> and the first couple gave me, you know, the heebie-jeebies a bit. I mean, five grand was the first one. He was crazy. Uh, worked down a couple other guys. And now I'm at about $2,600 to get rid of that. And, and it, floor again, tiles. this is because it's the solid asbestos. If it's actually arable insulation asbestos, it, it can be dramatically more expensive because right. they got to cap the house yeah, this out. Yeah, this is and, solid asbestos, yeah. so there's no air yeah. uh, contaminant. You know, they don't whatever. have to make the tent and yeah. all that stuff. Yeah, which is nice. I think it's non-frias asbestos yeah. or something like yeah. that. So I lucked out too with that, but that's just another delay in the timeline when when I thought the house would be down by now. But and the frost ban is yeah. not <laughs> in my favor either. But uh, we're scooting along. I think uh, I'm going to try to go. Really quickly through it, um, it's going to bring up some more interesting things because I don't have the trades like I do for the finish out. 
So the drywall, the trim, the doors, those get those type of guys don't exist for me when it comes to foundation pouring and footers and yeah. demoing whole houses. So I'm still fumbling through getting quotes and making sure these guys are reliable and their resources check out and, yeah. and things like that. So it's putting a little delay on it too as well. I mean, going into the next one, I'll be way more prepared having a Rolodex of able guys that can help. But yeah. this one's more of a, a learning now, how do you hunt for those? If you don't have any tradesmen of a particular type, how do you go about hunting to get those tradesmen? Like you had no foundation guy. You need to find a foundation guy. How did you start trying to find that? Ask questions on Facebook. That's typically how I'll do it. I'll post on our uh, main investor, Metro Detroit, uh, Facebook group. And normally someone's got someone that can point me in the right direction. Otherwise, just Google and asking around. You just hunt it out then. Yeah. I get down and dirty, man. I'll call other guys that are building. I like to, another thing that I've been doing too is driving around some of the newer builds and pulling trades out of those. I do that. I totally do that. Hey, you're doing this framing. Uh, You know, I'm about to build in six weeks. You want to quote the job. Mm -hmm. If this guy's, you know, some of the big giants that we all know of in Royal Oak, if they're using them, they're solid guys. So I've been trying to give my car and say, give me a call. You want to quote this, that type of thing. I've also noticed that if they're working, and I don't know if this is a universal thing or if it's just anecdotal to me or whatever, but I've noticed that if you pull up tradesmen that are working in an area and ask them to quote a property right down the block, the numbers are different than than if they just go to wherever. It seems like they give almost a deal if you're, oh, well, we're already working there. I don't know if that's been consistent. It's happened to me multiple times, though, where it's like, all right, I had a driveway guy that was uh, doing driveway work for neighbors, and they did two or three in a row, and they were in the middle of porn. It's like, hey, I need one done over here. He's like, all right, no problem. Because they've already kind of got the infrastructure there. They don't really set. I, I don't know why that is, but I don't know. I've gotten. That's worked for me pretty well a couple times. Sometimes so. they'll just say, yeah, I'll get it done, and they'll just head over there without their boss knowing on their lunch hour. That may be. <laughs> take care of it themselves. That may be what's happening. Pocket the loot. You never hey, know. Don't ask, don't tell, right? Yeah, hey, exactly. hey if they want to hustle. Sure, it's right down the road. Uh, I got lunch. I got an hour free every day. Yeah, I'll get it done for you. Hey, if price. they want to hustle it like that, uh, yeah. who am I to say? More power to them. Yeah. So, well, what's the overall timeline for that, then? What are you looking at from start to finish? I'm hoping six months from okay. start to finish. Uh, probably aggressive. If others, so it has you on the market in the summer? Yeah. Okay. i got to be on the market in the summer. I'm tr- trying June 1. So we'll see. This is a recording to keep me accountable for it. But uh, that's <laughs> so what I'm So what was your do. email again that everybody yeah, exactly. <laughs> Keep me accountable. I'm also trying a different strategy, too, on that one uh, as far as consolidation of trades. Uh, trying to make it as efficient as possible to move quick on it, not looking at the, the line items as much as far as critiquing the prices. But if one guy can handle the basement pour and the excavation and the backfill and all that, and he's going to get me ready with a couple different steps, I'd rather give him yeah. the job and pay a little bit extra so it scoots quicker. Well, usually they've got the guys. I mean, so he's subbing it out too to one of his buddies. So if he's got, if he's the, the foundation guy, he's got an excavator guy. So he's subbing it out to him. So he's going to mark it up a little bit more. However, it's also his buddy, and, and they work together before. It, not you. And he's got to do all that. Yeah. So I mean, how much is that worth? Especially when you've got a ton of line items like a new build, right? Right. So, so that's, that's what awesome. I'm going to try. I'm hope I'm hopefully that you know that will bring a little bit more speed to the project instead of being meticulous about well beat this guy up on this price and you know that kind of thing. So do you, do you see all of your projects escalating in complexity, or do you still get the low tier paint and carpet specials too? Or? Yeah, I mean, I I would love the slam dunk paint and carpet special, but. I get a little bit bored doing that, and it's not as fun for me, so I'm always trying to challenge myself with either it be construction challenge or maybe more of an intensive real estate deal that might be hard to put together just to do it and say yeah. I did it. you know. So I, I try to keep learning something and making it a little bit more complex each one. Yeah, I, I hear that. It's almost like video games or something. Right. Like you you've already beat that level. Around. Yeah. And yeah. So you got to go to the next level. <laughs> and what's that next that level? level. <laughs> well, it's kind of true, right? Yeah. Like, you. you don't want to play the same level again and again. I beat that boss already. Yeah. Although, boss. you know, you still get the points for it. If money is the points. So, I mean, it's not the worst thing in the world to have them rolling. <laughs> so, well, that's awesome. So then you've got that, that's lined up. Is that going to now inhibit your ability to do that three? Renos that you have, does that take more of a workload being a new build? So we will see because I haven't got into the the crazy part yet, but financially. How much else do you have running right now? Is that what you got? That's what I got running. I've got some other 
smaller deals that okay. aren't renovations, just kind of side things going on, some wholesales and some other creative measure financing stuff. But as far as capital, it, it, it taps me pretty good mm-hmm. on it. So Are you financing all of this yourself? I am. Okay. I'll be financing it. And so if I'm going to take on some additional projects going on, there will be some private money involved, which it's lenders that I've worked with before yeah. that have lent to me and... So it would be, you know, normally I like to try to use my own funds and yeah. and private money. I don't really use hard money um, just because it's too expensive. Mm-hmm. No, I agree with that. You're also doing some uh, some lease option stuff, right? I mean, you have a lease option project yeah. going? Yeah, that's really interesting. How, it yeah. doesn't seem like that would be a natural fit, especially in this current climate right. of regulation. So... Talk us, talk us through this, man. This yeah, is interesting. I, and I'll briefly touch on it because after uh, the whole hardcore land contracts by Alan Daniels. Enough to scare the <laughs> shit out of anybody. <laughs> originally, it was going to be established as a land contract. But I've done some modifications on how that deal is going to play out. And it's going to turn more into a lease option with no down payment, with a solid return for myself, and a little bit of time for the new person to buy the house. But just high level, we'll run through some numbers. Properties in Dearborn, it's worth about ninety-five thousand. Person's been living in there for seven years. Somewhat of a second-tier, third-tier friend into my network. Okay, that would like to buy the house eventually. Um, so there's some trust know there them. too, right? Don't know them, but referred through my network that I would maybe help them out on the deal. And so came to me about it. I pulled the comps. Looks like it's ninety-five. Slam dunk. He's going to buy it from the current owner for 40 and he wanted me to buy it for 40 and land contract it to him. But after, like I said, learning a little bit more about the hardcore regulations, yeah, I no. said, let's just do it this way where I'm going to buy it for 40 I'll sell it to you for 50 no down payment. I'll make 12% return. You handle everything else as far as utilities, water, maintenance, things like that. You'll get two years to try to repair your credit, and then you can buy it back from me. I definitely know he's going to default on it, so I'm more playing on the upside of the deal. Um, Talked to the previous owner who I have under contract with. He hasn't paid in like 18 months. So unless he's saving to pay me every Hell, month, man. You know, it's probably going to be a quick default, and that's why I kept it more of a to be more in control, too, is most likely going to be an eviction pretty quickly off the bat. Yeah. And then I'll just flip the house. It's in great condition. I mean, it needs maybe five ten for market ready, and so it would just turn into another avenue of a flip for me. That's interesting. So you didn't want to have to worry about going through any sort of redemption period with the land contract, the ninety days, everything else like that, right? Right. Yeah. Okay. Did was this uh, Alan Daniels approved? Did you run the modification I by him? I haven't run it by Alan, but I'm <laughs> I'm willing to roll the dice a little bit on this okay. one because uh, <laughs> he will come for you. He yeah. will come for me. He'll but, be in uh, your inbox. You know, there, it doesn't mimic a land contract from from what I've learned from Alan. Uh, it's it's basically a lease that we'll have in place, and he's got an option to buy it in two years. So it, it doesn't have a scheduled payment or amortization schedule like a land contract would have. And there's no down payment. Yeah, so. no equitable interest, right? Yeah. Nothing I, that could even be construed as right, equitable interest, right. right? Yeah. So I feel like I'm pretty safe on it, but, you know, we'll see. <laughs> have, have you seen that uh, Oregon has just uh, updated their licensure rules to include yeah. uh, anybody uh, anybody with any equitable interest in any component of a real estate transaction needs to be licensed? Well, you think I became an agent because I wanted to be a fucking agent? You know, I kind of feel like... Wait, I, you don't want to... Wait, what? I, I think you think I like feel like I crossed over to the dark side, you know, like, join the empire, you know? <laughs> Fine, I fucking will. So, so you, you know? think we're the dark side, huh? Yes, I do. I do. But uh, the wholesalers are the light side? I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> so in your world, there just isn't a light side. That's that's yes, that would be correct. It's just Alan Daniels alone. He's the light side. Well, he was he made a compelling argument, and then all you have to do is watch all the lawmakers, and you're like, yeah, no, they're they're probably going to do that. No, mm-hmm. It just happened again a year after year, and They'll Alan follow each other for sure. Absolutely. Well, as far as I understand, Oregon's the first one that officially did complete equitable interest for all licensure, right? So, I mean, if that, I mean, that's basically everything. You can't sell contracts. You can't do anything. I mean, any kind of equitable interest is your you have to be licensed for. Get licensed. I yeah. think it, yeah. I think it's a benefit for sure. 
I think I don't, for as easy as this. Honestly, I mean, you can be a retarded monkey you and can. get a real estate license on accident. Which you know, I that there's a whole different argument for whether or not that should be allowed. <laughs> you know, I'm not a big pro government regulation person. However, when you've got you know, some of the people in our office for our, you know, our front desk girl has a master's degree and there are agents in the office who just had to pass a 40 hour course and they don't know their ass from a hole in the ground. I mean, there's definitely my wife is a cosmetology license. She had to go 2000 hours of class to get a to cut hair, you know. So, I mean, there's there's that can only go for a certain period of time, you know, in the climate of how the regulations we've got to deal with are like i mean it's not going to last forever and it's not the worst thing to have to go through to have that check and balance to make sure that the people that you're dealing with are paying attention to updates in the in the law i mean con ed you know whatever it still gives you at least an update year by year what what's what's changing so you're at least abreast not everybody is proactively hunting for this information some people just latch on to what they know and they roll with it forever and they could be exposing themselves in ways that they're not prepared for they don't realize what they're doing so Lots of benefits, but I saw you got a second drink there. What'd you get? Yeah, what'd you get? <laughs> what'd you this get? is just a Tullamore Dew. I didn't, uh, I'm not getting pushy here. Um, <laughs> we, uh, this is good. I'm into this. I'm listening yeah. to all of your stories at the moment. So I'll get another Lagavulin later, but I wanted something a little. That one tastes good. Yeah, what I is wanted that? some Talk cold. About I'm, it. Well, I'm looking at your big, awesome ice cube in yours, and I'm like, I, I want a cold beverage. This one's neat. I need Jeff, he's kidding. Now, There's so. no ice cube in it. <laughs> <laughs> Aren't we being video recorded? He is not going to look on YouTube. No, no, no. I don't even know if he knows how to get to YouTube. He's going to text me. I got to YouTube. <laughs> He's out, outside watching. <laughs> All right. So as far as it goes for when you when you roll money from project to project, how does that? Do you have any tax scenarios? Do you do ten thirty ones? Do you do any of that kind of stuff? Or you'd literally just take it as. Taxable regular income and yeah. then roll it as getting a purchase. Smashed like thirty eight percent. Okay, that was the question. <laughs> yeah, it's, murdered? it's really tough getting murdered. But uh, I've had the conversation with CPAs and and tax advisors to see if I can ten thirty one it. And the whole fix and flip, moving from project to project, does not really. It's not. That's not really what it's no for. Benefit. It, yeah. It's not what it's designed. That's for. not what it's for. So it's I, for people that have been holding property for years and they're looking to get out up, of one and get yeah. into another. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. There's really no benefit for me. I mean, there may be a benefit. I'm sure there's a scenario you could play out where you may see a benefit from it. But for the time and energy involved, it's just not worth it. Sure. So, what's the overall goal? What's Property Rescue's goal here? Are you trying to stack rentals at the end of this? Are you just making the cash flow from the flips? What's the What's the end game? I mean, for me, I always just look at it from return on time and, and money, too. Those are kind of like a combined little metric for me. But end game is to be retired early, uh, hustle while I'm young, and, and build it up. Obviously, I'm still buying rentals, you know, if, if there's a good deal. They make sense for me, you know, but a rental can be anywhere from 12 to 20%. You know, return when flip, you know, fix and flip, you're 100% return on your money. Yeah. So. If you're using it the smartest way possible, even though you're working with it, but with your work and your money, I mean, you can really make some some really good returns on it. So I'd rather hustle and, and do it that way, yeah. even if I'm getting huge tax implications for it. Sure, you know, it's still it's still working okay. Well, yeah, there's, there's a, whole a difference model for that, right? The, well, what? yeah, he's trying to build capital, right? You're in a capital yeah. accumulation phase, right? So a lot of times yeah. you do things that maybe don't necessarily make sense. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but you need to build your capital right. up and then work something later. And so. I think it will feed the, the nest egg with a decent amount of capital. So when I do want to slow down and, and, and you know, stay with rental properties or whatnot, I'll have the funds available to yeah. deploy and buy a ton of rentals. Now, do when, you lend too? Do you lend out? Yeah, I've, I've lent on some deals depending on who it is and what they have in mind and the partnership that's involved. But I'll lend it if I have it. Yeah. Right. That's some crazy stuff. I don't know about the lending thing, man. You have a high risk tolerance, sir. Yeah. I like you. <laughs> I'm not afraid to lose money. That's one thing, and that's for sure. Uh, so that might be a little bit riskier than other people, but I'm just not really that afraid to do it. And luckily, my wife sees eye to eye with me. <laughs> so yeah, that's pretty interesting. You've got a. I mean, your wife is involved in the business to a certain extent yeah. too, right? Because I see her when you post on Facebook. She's in there smiling. Tearing stuff out too, like yeah. Luckily, she just loves me a lot and wants to hang out with me all the time, <laughs> which is nice. So the involvement's really not there, but she likes to hang around and talk to me while I'm figuring stuff out. Or you know, she's very involved when it comes to 
decor and, and picking out paint schemes and yeah. what kind of trim should we put on or what kind of doors? Is it the two-panel rounded top? Are we going to go sure. six-panel doors? Yeah. And it, it brings a good set of eyes because a woman's going to buy the house from me in the end because she's yes. going to tell her husband what yep. she wants, and it's kitchen and bathrooms. 100%. And I'm basically colorblind, so she's got my back on that. You know yeah. what I mean? So she'll come in and figure out what's the best for the property and so yeah she's she's working with me she's a hard worker well. i'm pretty i'm pretty lucky in that that my wife will come and do our projects largely in the same way however it's not because she likes me a lot and wants to spend time with me <laughs> <Aren't> <laughs> she, yelling at you? she likes to she likes to Been do the properties longer. yeah so it's really just her hobby and i just am incidental to yeah you project. have a n- unique situation not everybody's aware of tommy your wife is actually better than like half the trades out there doing my shit. wife is yes you know like i'm crazy a fairly shit. good tradesman myself and she's better than i am yes yeah and i mean like fully like like, I mean, she'll, you know, leave the house in her spackled up pants that she wears all the time. And she's laying tiles. She's I mean, she literally does almost all of it. Like I said, I mean, this old house is a religion at our property, <laughs> at our house. So, like, this is like, you know, the whole family kind of lives and breathes it. Actually, my son, my oldest son, just had a uh, I, I caught him. Now, he's got an iPad. They give all these kids iPads at school now. Like, that's how they do all their work is on an iPad, right? And that's it. Every Like, the school gave, you know, and he's had it. He keeps it all through the summer, and, like, that's his iPad. And I was, we were waiting to go to school the other morning, and I'm looking at him. You know, what the hell are you doing? And he's he's doing floor plans. He's got a floor planning software. Oh, he's like, it's floor planner five from, you know, Apple or whatever. And he's literally designing. I mean, he's, you know, he's a kid. He's six, sixth grade. Like, and he just had a class today. Uh, not a class, like a show for, uh, he built a whole, uh, uh, stand up, kind of like one of those architectural models, you know, but it was done out of cardboard or, and foam core. But like, I mean, it was a straight up floor plan. It was part of the school is actually teaching it, you know, and it's on the architectural side. It's not like on the trade side or anything, but it's still like, that's not anything that I remember from school when I, I was. I don't think you were doing floor plans as a child on I an iPad. That's for sure. Plans, nope. Yeah. Nope. I, I do think when I was a kid, I wanted to be an architect, but that, I didn't actually know what it was. I just thought the word was cool. So <laughs> it comes with a lot of money. Sounds yeah. cool. Yeah. Sounds cool. Well, that's awesome, man. It sounds like you guys are definitely on the road for it then. Yeah, so. we're staying busy. We're trying to do as much as we can. No, nah, it's pretty freaking awesome, man. It's fun watching you too. So Thanks. keep it up. I like I like all the posts on uh Facebook and do you push people to your Facebook page out of curiosity? I mean, not not too much. Not too much. Not too much. So that's for friends and family yeah, mostly. Yeah, friends and family. And it's fun to watch though. Yeah, yeah, it's good. And you know, I think with the new build stuff, I really plan on beefing that up a little bit. And I, it's converted deals for me too because people see me on Facebook and I'm checking in or doing this, and it's kind of like in the back of their brain, hey. If I've got this dealer, I know this beat down house on my block. Yeah. You should call him; he might buy it or something. So no, I'm going to keep it up, and I think 2017 I'll get a little bit even more active on it, just through the the process and whatnot. Well, I would encourage it if you're already friends with uh, Tommy Gun Wooderson. Yeah, that's what I like that Tommy Gun Wooderson. If you're local, I'll, I'll accept you, but yeah. outside of the local people, I try to keep it. To the tight nick. Yeah. I enjoy you mean, it. You mean you don't want to be spammed by a I don't bunch want to of people spammed, that are learning not, how to not do it really. for the first time? <laughs> or just randomly post it on my wall. Thanks for the ad. You know? yeah. No. Knock that shit off. Yeah. And then inbox me about something. Yeah. No, don't do that. Just watch, okay, folks? Don't <laughs> watch from yeah. far. Well, I definitely would love when you, when it's time for demo on that property, if we can come by and you know pull a camera with us and tape it because that's one of the uh that's a great idea that's one of the yeah. uh the most entertaining things have you you have you witnessed a demo yet i have it's really like probably the best thing it's it like is, everyone's yeah. soul wants to smash something down huge with equipment at some point in their life so you get to do it yeah i'm excited i'm probably most excited for that actually in the next coming weeks just to see that thing go down Quick. Some of those guys are impressive, man. If you watch them with the with the claw hook and they'll go in there. I watched this uh, old fellow. I mean, he had to be in his mid-70s. He's still going strong. He was an owner-operator. He owned his own machine, and he'd knock the house over, and then he'd go through the rubble with the big, clunky machine, and he'd pick up wire by wire. He could pull it out, and he just, he'd been doing it so long. He was like, he was that good. He'd pull all of the, everything out, like one little tiny thing he could pull out, you know, and it's crazy how he could separate out the piles like that. I mean, it's it's impressive, you know. Maybe I can get in and try a little bit of that when we're, when we're knocking down the house. Oh, see yeah. See if I can't convince we're, the we're operator. We're putting that on me. camera. We're recording that. <laughs> Put a hard hat on me, and I'll take it down. A couple Benjamins yeah. might make that happen. It might happen, yeah, yeah. Slip him a couple C-notes. Look, I'm not saying on, yes, man. but I'm not Let saying no. Here you go. <laughs> 
<laughs> Let me ride this thing. Leave for 10 minutes and come that back. That would be fun. I oh would my sign God. up for that any day. I was destroying shit with my little Tonka trucks back in the day, four years old. <laughs> my uh, Hot Wheels taking it. I wanted to smash things, right? I think that's every guy's dream. It's is the same thing. Out. Same thing. Doing it bigger. Real and life. It and you get now. to make money. It's yeah. like even better. It Man. doesn't even seem real. It doesn't seem fair. If we can drink and smoke at the profit. same time, I might uh, just die of happiness. <laughs> well, I think uh, I really appreciate you coming out. I think that wraps us up probably for the first uh, first episode of the second season of Storytime with Tommy. Now, Tommy, uh, I appreciate you coming out and having drinks. And I think we'll probably still have to have one or two more after we go uh, off air. But uh, you have anything else you want to tell anybody how to get a hold of you further or anything like that? No, I mean, if you're just interested in learning a little bit more, I'm always open to help people around. I feel anyone in the Metro Detroit Facebook group, if they have questions, they can inbox me. If I don't know, I can at least point them to someone I may have come across that might know the answer. Um, so I'm always open to help people. Or if they want to come see this house, go down too and just link up with and, me. And if they want to send you deals. And if they want to send me deals, I, you know, I'll definitely Actual open to deals, not daisy chain 15 not times daisy chain, deal. no address. Uh, <laughs> Say it ain't so. No that never pictures. happens, right? That doesn't exist. No. Yeah, we've been weeding them out pretty quick, though, Hell as yeah. of lately. So. It's getting more and more hostile. It's getting pretty savage now. <laughs> I know. It's just I am completely them. fine with this. In yeah. fact, I like when the people come out and start trying to protect these pieces of shit. That's yeah. even more fun to watch. <laughs> Oh, I love watch it. them get tore up, you know? There's a lot of trolls on that Facebook uh, group, so it's fun to watch. But, yeah, I mean, I, I just get a hold of me if you want to learn a little bit more or if I can learn something from you. I'm always looking to learn from people that are doing crazier stuff than I'm doing, and I'm always willing to get a whiskey with anyone, too. That's there. why I, this kind of podcast is perfect for me. <laughs> You're a little dangerous, man. Jeremy has referred to me as somebody with a, quote, heroic constitution. Absolutely. And last time I went out drinking with you, I woke up on my office floor. So I think uh, that, that Diageo training must yeah. be pretty serious. You got yeah. a golden liver. I don't think they have, uh, what were we drinking that night, Fireball? F- fireball. Yeah, they don't have Fireball here. I think this is just normal, <laughs> higher quality whiskey. <laughs> fireball will really sneak up on I don't think it was the beverage. I think it was the quantity. <laughs> Some say. Some say. Debatable. <laughs> All right. Well, that was it. Episode one, season two, everybody. You can, uh, again, you can find me at uh, TommyDesmond.com. Also check out RenegadeDetroitInvestors.com. That's where you can check this out on SoundCloud and iTunes, correct? RenegadeDetroit.com, SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, all the things. Check it out. And, folks, before I let you go, takes a lot of time out of both these Tommy's day. We got Tommy Desmond and we got Tom Wooderson here. They have better things they could be doing. Instead, for free, for you, they got together to drink some whiskey, tell some stories, smoke some stogie. So first of all, let's hook them up. Let's share this podcast. That way they can see it being shared. Good things happen. Also, go on to iTunes. I know I say it every time. Rate and review. And if you like this, right. I can't live without story time with Tommy, right? That way we know. And that's one way you can help them out. If you enjoy the podcast, if you don't enjoy the podcast, go somewhere else. And for everybody who has been sharing, thank you so much. We really do appreciate it. And if you haven't already, I really appreciate your time. I know you can be doing anything else. And until the next podcast, take care. <laughs>